Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business in Dava podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nikia Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Welcome to this Friday afternoon session of webinars with AFF Beyond COVID-19. This afternoon, we have the amazing Futures Alchemist, Charlotte Kemp, and she's going to be taking us on a journey of why your family business needs to be a conscious family business. So Charlotte, I'm going to hand it over to you, and uh, we're very excited to have you here. Thank you very much, Tiffany. Uh, appreciate that. Um, I have some slides to share, so um, Nikki is going to help me to do that. All right, I see it's working perfectly. Yes, you can do so. Yeah. Good. Do you want me to just get started straight away? Yes, please. You can introduce right. yourself and just um, get onto it. I will do that. Good. All right, so are you seeing my, sh- my slides clearly? 100%. Great. Okay. So we want to um, look at today becoming the conscious futurist your family needs you to be. Uh, it's a particular angle of considering being a conscious, uh, being a futurist. And I will get into this. There are quite a few new concepts and terms here that are not necessarily familiar to everyone. So I'm going to take it slowly. I welcome questions and feedback. Please pop any questions into the chat box and then we can explore them later on. I need to start with introducing myself so you know who it is uh, that is speaking to you and why I'm speaking to you today. I am a professional speaker. I'm an author. I am a futurist. Uh, I actually spent a couple of years in Zimbabwe when I was a child and uh, my parents were born there. And talking about my family, uh, I am the uh, (laughs) uh, past owner of a failed family business. We uh, we started a family business some time ago. I actually set the business up myself. I owned it and I employed my parents, which I know is kind of the flip of how many of us set up our family businesses. And I'd done this for a number of reasons. I wanted uh, an investment vehicle for myself, uh, for my daughters, for my children. Uh, my parents were looking for something new to do. And uh, we lived in different provinces here in South Africa. So it was a way for us to kind of work on something together um, But what happened was as the business started, uh, while we were still setting it up, my mother had a series of heart attacks and she ended up in hospital. We nearly lost her on two occasions. She then eventually recovered from that after having a a bypass operation. My dad had resigned from his job to come and run the business while taking care of my mom. But you can imagine when you start a business like that, your focus is very clearly on the family member uh, and not so much on the business. So we started very much uh, at a disadvantage. And although the business was exciting and interesting, it was kind of a mix of a retail service kind of business. It it was a service, but it was in a uh, a shopping mall. Uh, So we were very busy. It uh, was a lot of energy. People enjoyed coming into the store. Uh, We had um, some good staff. But we, we had made too many mistakes and we were too inexperienced 
and all of the kind of problems we had as a family uh, that we had patched over over the years kind of came out in this business and eventually the business failed and when it did my parents had to look for a new job and I, um, I lost everything financially. I lost, I lost the business, I lost my house, I lost my car, I lost all my investments apart from my retirement annuity investment. Uh, here in South Africa, we have something called debt review, and I ended up under debt review trying to pay off the debts that I had signed for. So incredibly traumatic situation. My parents have gone on, they've actually retired now, um, they're okay. Um, the various staff members have moved on and found new jobs and probably forgotten about this. I literally am still paying for one of the debts, and this was a decade ago. So I, I know really how much, um, how difficult it can be to have a family business. And I know that all the dreams that we had for it were, you know, completely destroyed um, during this experience. So, so I have a, a heart for taking care of family businesses uh, and, and seeing that they work well and, and wanting to encourage you um, and it's not even part of this presentation, but communication is so important and, and really finding ways to, to understand why everybody is involved and what you're trying to achieve. And yeah, and that's, that's what we're hoping will happen for, you know, good conversations for businesses to actually make them survive. Now, while I'm a futurist, I also have a position that everybody is a natural futurist. So everyone on this call today, you are all futurists, even if you've never thought of yourself before. You are a futurist if you can learn from the past and you want to think of a future, you want to make better plans for the future. If you have a family business, you're hoping to invest in your um, future generation's lives. You're hoping to create something that will be of value to your community, uh, to your country. You're, um, you're wanting to create something that is sustainable and valuable that goes on beyond just yourself. And that is what a futurist is. There are obviously ways of, of learning more about futures and there, there are academic courses I'm studying um, through Stellenbosch University. I've gone in other courses. I've written books about this. I'm always constantly developing my material. But just because there are some people who are academic in a field doesn't mean that the majority of us are not actually futurists anyway. Uh, so I want to encourage you to start thinking like that. So I'm going to introduce a couple of concepts to you. Being a futurist doesn't mean uh, that we predict the future. There's no crystal ball gazing. Uh, there's no magic formula. There's, there's no kind of predictions of what is going to happen. If there was, we would have really handled 2020 a lot better than we have. Um, but there are certainly signs that we have that we can look at. And we can get better at preparing ourselves, our organizations to be more resilient for what comes. Now, the first thing to handle, to, to get a kind of a handle on and understand is our place in time. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through a couple of models that I use uh, to help people to, to wrestle with this content, to get a picture in their mind that they can start to have conversations. So the model I use is this. I've developed a map. And we're going to spend some time looking at this map. And the map is not about an actual place, but more about our place in time, where we are in, in you know, how we came from the past, uh, where we are in the present moment, where we're going to the future. We'll spend some time on that just now. Along with the map, we have a compass because if we're journeying into the future, then uh, we need to know which direction we're going. And that compass, you can see there's a whole bunch of little words there. The compass has a whole lot of tools that we use. Academic tools, uh, business tools, particular strategic foresight tools, they're all in there to help us to navigate the future. There's obviously a lot of content, we won't worry about that today. But just so that you know that 
when we're talking about the future, we're not just making it up. It's not just motivational thinking. Uh, there really is a whole lot of academic, robust research behind what we're discussing. Now, if you're traveling somewhere, uh, you've got a map, you've got a compass, you also need a guide. And uh, for the next hour, I am your guide. I will uh, give you some directions, some ideas, some warnings, uh, some motivation about why we want to take this particular journey. And while there may be a few um, challenges along the way, uh, the, the journey is worth taking. But one of my top uh, values in life and in my, in my work is that of agency. I don't want to always be your guide. I can't help hold all of your hands. Um, my, my job as a guide is to hand over that mantle to yourselves. In your family businesses, in your lives, uh, in any of the organizations that you are a part of, you are the guide. And I want you to start thinking about how you learn something about the future and how you can pass that on to someone else. Because the more futures literate we all are, the better we will all be able to handle anything that comes to us in the future. And there are many people who have handled the whole um, COVID crisis globally. They've handled it well, others haven't handled it very well. But those who are, are more flexible in their thinking about the future have been able to respond quicker and better and more profitably ultimately. And that's what I want to pass on to you. So where are we in time? Um, let's have a little bit of a look at this because this particular model allows us to have a picture, a way of having a conversation with other people that might diffuse some of the tension, but it also might give you a picture of, of what is going on when we don't understand someone else's motivation. So this is a map of time. Uh, here we are, this yellow line indicates our present moment and it is indicated, I'll show you in a moment, by, uh, by that little gem you see there. Everything um, to the left, that short part, is our past, and everything on the right-hand side is our future. That's where we're going. So the present moment is, is indicated on this map by a gem, and the gem has multiple facets. If any of you uh, are lucky enough to have a diamond ring, um, have a look at the, the facets on, on that ring, and you know that if you look at something, everything that you're seeing is kind of refracted through that particular facet that you're looking at with a gem. Now, it's important to, to look at that gem and think about it because everything that we see about this present moment is seen through our own lens. There's a bunch of us on this call at the moment, but we're all experiencing this moment in time through our own lenses. I'm presenting to you. Sitsi has met me already. We've had a conversation, so she expects something in particular. Um, I've only just um, met Nikki through... Um, email correspondence, so she doesn't quite know who I am, and the rest of you haven't encountered me before. Uh, and you come with whatever you've done today. Maybe, maybe you've had some challenges at home or at work. Uh, maybe you've had some great successes. We're all seeing this present moment and our expectation of the future through our own lens. This is critical to understand because when it comes to discussing things in a business or discussing things in a family, every person in that team is seeing something through their own lens. And you might think that you know your family really well, but there are things that are happening in each of our lives that give us a nuance that we need to understand before we can move forward. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying we need to give it a little bit more time, perhaps, to really understanding people's uh, motivations and expectations and concerns and hurts. And, and the better we understand that, the better we are able to actually navigate the future. So to the left of that, um, there are two particular towns. Obviously, these are completely fictitious towns, um, but and they've given I've given them particular names uh, to indicate something of them. Uh, the names are a bit obscure to some people, but the first one is called Trevallanen, 
It's actually a Finnish name from Finland, and it means safety. Now, the people in this um, fictitious town of Tuvalin are people, it, let's look at the town first. You can see that it's surrounded by a nice brick wall. It, it is secure, it is safe. There's one gate that is an entrance into it. So everything inside of that town is really controlled and protected. Uh, people know what to expect. Um, even if there are wealthy people and not so wealthy people in the same town, um, there's an element of control there that means that everyone feels safe and uh, and secure and and their futures is fairly predictable. They, they expect that next month will look like last month and next year will look like last year, but just with a few minor changes. They are insecure about coming out to the world. If they come out, you can see that they're surrounded there by, by mountains and, and uh, forests. They're kind of nestled in this particular place and they're protected. But if they do come out and they look to the right to the ocean, they see this great big monster in the ocean. The outside world to them is scary. It is intimidating because they don't know what to expect. There are foreign things out of there that, uh, that, that they don't know how to deal with. So they are reluctant to leave their homes. They're reluctant to leave their town. Um, since this is an analogy, that means that people who live in that town are reluctant to move into the future, to explore the future. They might find things that are happening right now to be too threatening to them. Now, I'm sure you can think of people in your family um, who, who are like that, people that you know, who just reject everything about the future because it's too scary. I want to remind you that sometimes we are like that. Even, even if you feel like you are ready to explore, every now and then you wish you were in a safe town. You wish you were in a safe place that was predictable. You wish you could go back to where, where, where you knew how things worked because there are too many variables at the moment and you don't know how to cope with them. So sometimes we fluctuate between the towns. Um, but, but there are certainly some people who definitely want to stay there. The next time we look at just below that is called Envelope. And Envelope, you can see, is a lot more open. It's a, a Zulu or a Kosa word that talks about origins or, you know, where we came from, the kind of the, the, the background that we have. Now, Envelope, you can see uh, it, it's open to the elements. And that means that as the seasons change, when there's, you know, summer and then um, and, and autumn and winter and spring, they can see those seasons changing. They expect that cycle of nature to happen and they're not intimidated by it. It doesn't threaten them. When they are in a period of time that doesn't look good, they know that this is just a cycle and things will be better again in the future. They're, they're more open to these things. I see the fireplace in the middle of envelope and I, I always imagine people sitting around the fireplace in the evening with the older people reminding the younger people, teaching them through stories about where they came from, what they've experienced in the town, people who have passed, new babies that have been born. And that kind of gives them that kind of whole cycle of life story, which comforts the younger generations as they're going into the future. Knowing that things have changed, things will always change and that that is okay, that they don't need to hide away from change because that is a natural part of life. So that's where we come from. And we generally um, move between those. And, and I'm hoping most people who, uh, who want to explore something new, want to create something, have the mindset of someone who comes from Envelope, who says, this is our origin. This is where we came from. But we're willing to explore the future. And also know that if we're making a journey into the future, sometimes we journey into the future, but we have to come back home to take care of people that could not journey with us. And again, that is perfectly acceptable. We do not have to go and leave people behind and we do not have to reject people who can't come with us. And uh, not everybody gets to take uh, these journeys that we go on. All right, so if we are exploring the future and we're going towards it, we're gonna now go to the other side of the map, 
all the way to the other side is a is a town they call Passaran, and Passaran is a it's a Spanish word um, uh, or or an Indonesian word. It's kind of a, a strange um, uh, phrase this one, but Passaran is a, is a marketplace. It's a place where people go to trade. And that might be a place that we want to explore, that, that we can go to the future, we can find new ways of doing business, uh, new markets, uh, we can trade in that area. Just below that, we're going to look at Elis, but if you look between uh, Elis and Passaran, you can also see that there's a graveyard. So sometimes, uh, if we're not planning our, our routes carefully into the future, we might end up in a dead end, something that doesn't work for us. Elis is another place that we could choose to go to in the future. We could choose to set up our future, our business, in a town, you know, in a mindset that is very exclusive. If you look at Elis, it's, it's, uh, it looks a little bit more luxurious, but a little bit more closed off um, than Passaran. Uh, Elis is kind of the mindset of, well, we're creating this for ourselves. We want to rise above other people around us, uh, and we want to keep the benefit of what we're finding in the future to ourselves. But it's a different mindset, very much more exclusionary uh, than Passaran, perhaps. But just before that is another whole area called Voluta. Um, and Voluta is, is um, an Estonian word that talks about currency. And again, we're talking about a marketplace, about sharing resources, trading between us. And if you look at it, it's a nice fertile area. There's, there's water, there's growth, but there's also a number of different um, towns and cities in there. And, and those areas, even though they're distinct and they have their own flavor, their own uh, cultures between them, they're happy to trade with each other. There isn't any kind of protection from one from the other. They're willing to trade and engage with each other. And I think that is a good mindset, a good place to look forward to in the future. So just to recap, we have this present moment in time. We, we come from the past, either a, a, a closed protectionist mindset or something that is more open and willing to explore. We travel towards the future and we get to choose where we go in the future. And that's really important as futurists, you get to determine what kind of future you want to have. We do not have to have the lifestyle, the kind of business, um, the, uh, the, the kind of posts we put on, on social media that matches what everybody else in our, in our uh, community is, is trying to achieve. We get to decide for ourselves what kind of lifestyle we want, what kind of business we want, and what kind of family we want. Uh, and and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't kind of fall uh, prey to the, the, the kind of uh, culture scape uh, that tells us that this means success and that doesn't. You get to define it for yourself um, and or you and your family get to define it. As we're traveling though, there's a couple of ways we can travel. We can travel by boat, we can travel by air, we can travel across the land. Um, but as we travel, we're going to encounter a couple of challenges. And those challenges are indicated up here uh, at the top of the map with uh, the uh, ubiquitous here be dragons, which we always found on uh, on old maps, they put those dragons there in, in places where they actually didn't know what was going on. They said in this part of the map, we, we don't know what's happening, but it's probably dangerous uh, because what we don't know scares us. So here's a dragon to indicate that this is a scary area. But the truth is, as we travel into the future, we do encounter hazards and we do encounter monsters. The, the hazards are the um, the, the coronavirus is a hazard. It is something that has happened to us, happened to us globally. It has upended businesses. It has taken lives. This is definitely something that we've encountered. It's not necessarily a monster. Maybe the monsters are the people who are taking advantage of the coronavirus to, um, you, you know, to profit gouge or uh, to restrict people from doing certain things. Those would be the monsters. Those would be the people uh, that we want to fight against in terms of, of living a better life. 
Um, but there are dangers, um, there are places where, where things go wrong. But the journey is still worth taking towards the future because we know that we can find uh, gems, we can find, uh, we got tools that we can take, everything in that, that compass that I mentioned is a tool. There are tools that we can use and there are treasures that we can find as we travel towards the future. I know that I'm, I'm kind of introducing you to a whole lot of concepts um, that, that sometimes are a little bit foreign to people. I just want to tell you that I've got a course coming up called um, that we can learn how to develop futures literacy. Uh, the more literate we are, the more we can read the future, the better able we are to predict what is coming. And if anyone wants information on that, you're welcome to drop me an email at some point or find me on LinkedIn and um, I'll share some information about that. There's no charge to it. It's just uh, information about how we can become better futurists for all, all our organizations. But now I've been talking to you about how to be a futurist and I specifically want to talk to you about how to be a conscious futurist. And so I'm introducing even another term to you. Um, but being a conscious futurist is something that I'm, I'm particularly uh, interested in because uh, it means that we are doing a better job of the future, not just managing the future for myself, but, but managing it in a better way, creating the future in a way that will really add value to, um, to our family or, or to our community. So we need to break down this, this word conscious because not everybody is familiar with it uh, or sometimes it feels a little, um, a little strange or foreign. Um, so let, let's understand what conscious is. So let's look at like basic definitions. To be conscious about something is to become aware of. Um, so, you know, if you're you know, going through your day and you suddenly become conscious that it's raining outside, uh, that has been brought to your awareness. There's nothing mystical about that. It's like you were paying attention to one thing and now you're paying attention to something else. We can be conscious if we respond to something. Um, so if we're seeing problems in our families, uh, problems in our business, problems in our marketplace, uh, we might be kind of you know, chugging along, doing business day to day, Monday through Friday, um, and suddenly we become conscious that there is a particular area that could be a problem. And we could then ignore it, but if we're really conscious, not only are we aware of it, but we respond to it. We now want to find out what is going on. So we start to dig into it. Uh, we, we explore it. We have knowledge of this. We, we do a bit of research. We ask some questions. We have some conversations. And the more we do that, the more conscious we are of what is happening and whether or not it is a threat to us in terms of our business or whether or not it's something that there's an opportunity that we can take advantage of. And almost everything about futures thinking is as we move towards the future, there are potential problems we need to mitigate and there are opportunities that we really want to press into and take advantage of. And that is being conscious about the future. Now, People are not very familiar with the term conscious futurist. That is not something we've explored, um, but we are familiar with conscious leadership. And you'll find a lot of companies now talking about conscious leadership instead of the old fashioned leadership. Please don't read that whole list. That is just the, the, the kind of the, the depth of uh, the various areas that conscious leadership actually looks at. So um, all we're indicating with that list is that there is so much uh, to really raise our game as leaders. Uh, if you think about what leadership used to be like in the past, it was a lot more dictatorial. It was the leader has worked something out and they are saying this is the way it will happen and everybody complies and if they don't comply, they're penalized or they're off the team. They, they must go somewhere else. So the, the leadership qualities in the past were very much more about control and authority. Now, being a conscious leader these days is more about understanding that we don't know everything. 
we can't be aware of everything and we cannot achieve everything on our own. And we have to do that with other people. So we really want to create these teams that work together. And that means that the leader has to apply a little bit more humility to their leadership style. And this is important as a foundation for being a conscious futurist and for being a family business owner, because uh, as a family business owner, uh, we've been watching some, some TV series while we've been in lockdown. And, and a number of them have been about these um, kind of crime families where they set it up and one person is the, like that, the head honcho of this, this family business um, that is all involved in crime. And, and everything about that family, those family dynamics, it's about who has the most control. There's power plays the whole time. And one person needs to be in control telling everyone else how this will happen. And if there's any kind of dissension in the family, that older family member does something dramatic to get their power back again. And it, it's a horrible dynamic. Uh, it is a horrible thing to look at. You know, it, it's bad enough as TV drama, but you, you would never want to be part of a family like that. Because our job as, as family members, especially if, if we're trying to help, you know, the second generation, next generation to kind of grow up, it's not to tell them what to do. It's to help them to discover, to learn, to grow, to experience, to express their own um, skills and insight. Because even if we have a whole lot of experience in business over time, we still don't know everything. If you look at, uh, at my personal branding about uh, futures, you know, the whole kind of futures conversation, I call myself a futures alchemist because as an alchemist, I know that I'm working with elements to create something new. And the elements are people. Uh, I'm not coming along to tell people this is how it has to happen. I'm working with people to allow them to express and, and discover and develop their own styles and their own approaches to the future. Because if we're trying to control things, we always have to be in control. But if we can build up and grow and nurture, then we can create something. We can co-create something with our families that is stronger and better than we could ever have done on our own. So have a look at a little bit of conscious leadership if you want to understand some of those elements a bit more. Um, and then you can see how they can be expressed as, uh, as being conscious futurist as well. Another place we find conscious, the concept of, of consciousness is conscious consumption. Um, and you'll see more and more of this coming because it's a very strong trend into the future. Conscious consumption means that we are aware of the impact of our purchasing choices. So when we go and spend money, we're thinking, where does this money go? Who made the products that I am buying? Am I supporting some kind of child labor camp in, in Pakistan? Or you know, am I honoring a business that is doing you know, business uh, ethically? Um, am I wasting um, plastic or, or paper with, with packaging? Or is there a better way that I can take my packaged goods home again? Uh, are these choices sustainable? Are they green? Am I honoring diversity? All of those questions now come up with every, every time we spend money, we are now thinking about those choices. Or if we're not yet, <laughs> there certainly are a lot of people who are, and you see a lot more of this conversation happening. In fact, um, if you do have a person in your family or in your circle who's very conscious about that, they will challenge you all the time about what you're doing. So my daughters are not with me during lockdown. They're at their dad's house, but they were here for a weekend. And the entire weekend, I had to defend all of my choices. Um, you know, the, the makeup that I bought, um, the way I removed my makeup, uh, the food that we bought from, from, the, um, from the stores. Every question, my, my youngest daughter was saying to me, you know, why are you doing that? There is a better, you know, a better option that doesn't waste as much plastic. 
or isn't so disposable. Why can't you reuse this? Don't forget to take your own shopping bag with you because she's very conscious of this. Uh, we love them. They can be painful to live with as children, um, but, but we need that kind of voice in our ear to make sure that we're not, uh, we're not wasting our money on things that support the wrong kind of business. So conscious consumption is about how we consume things. The flip side of that, obviously, is conscious capitalism, and that is when the business entity is now thinking about uh, how they act. So when they put together their supply line, when they package their products, uh, when they find financing, when they cr create and market a product, all of those questions that they're asking is, is this an ethical choice? Is this the right kind of choice? Not just for their bottom line, not just for the management, but for all the stakeholders. Um, and and that's, that's really important for, for us to understand. Now, Conscious capitalism in terms of, of family business is also an important element. Um, very often we look at our, our products that we've, we've created and say, I'm earning money from this product, but does this product, is it really worth my life making this product? Is, is this something I want to invest uh, my family's life and future in creating this kind of product? Or should we create something that is better? If it's not the product, then it could be the um, hiring choices in the company. It could be how you finance things. It could be the price point that you're looking at. And uh, there's a whole lot of con uh, considerations about whether we are an ethical company doing business. And that is conscious capitalism. So now we've looked at all of those things that, that we may have heard before, we may be familiar with, and now we come to being a conscious futurist. Now, a conscious futurist is is someone who looks at the future and becomes more conscious, more aware, and does better work in creating a future, in designing a future, making choices and influencing others to create something that is really worthwhile and powerful. So I have this, uh, this spiral diagram that we're going to go through to explain it. Now, it's a spiral, uh, normally it would animate, but I know that when we do Zoom calls, animations don't work. So just imagine the spiral going up, but spirals also go down. So I'm not saying that these are specific levels that you achieve and once you're there, you stay there. We move up and down. And for many of us, we're going to look, we, we might have been at a higher level on this particular spiral at some point and then COVID hit and we fall all the way down. We would have fallen that way down in terms of our business, in terms of our finances, uh, in terms of our mental state, in terms of our relationship with others. We certainly have been challenged. So it's not like, uh, you know, some people have achieved this and, and you might not have. We're going up and down all the time. But if we are aware of them, then we can kind of focus our attention on trying to rise to higher levels in terms of how we look at the future. So our very first level, right at the bottom there, is survival. Um, survival means that we are safe, uh, we are protected. Uh, kind of like that, that, that first village we talked about, Trevalinen. Uh, not that we want to stay there, but, but safety is such an important feature. And, and if our families and our business, uh, if we haven't dealt with the absolute foundational issues, we can't go anywhere else. So our first consideration is survival. There were lots of businesses that had huge plans for the future. COVID hit, we went into shutdown, and then all of the plans were canceled to make sure that we could survive first, um, that our families could, pardon me, that our employees could. Once we dealt with that, then we can start again to build into the future. Then we become responsible. If we're responsible, we are making plans for the future. We are putting funds aside for future investment or development. We're developing staff, we're developing our own um, management skills of our families to make sure that this business will be sustainable. Um, we might be responsible in making more better choices in terms of our supply line or our packaging or something like that. 
But now we're starting to look at the future and say, how can what I'm doing with my life, my business, how can it be better than just making sure that we have enough money to live every month? We want this to, to go beyond. And for a family business, that, that is really an incredible um, space to be in. A lot of people who are employed elsewhere with other companies, um, they live paycheck to paycheck. They're happy to survive. But the minute you have a family business, you, you, you're definitely looking way beyond mere survival from paycheck to paycheck. Our third level then is invested. Now, not only are we responsible for the future, but we're starting to invest in things that will be probably beyond our lifetime. Um, now we're looking at, are we putting something in place that our grandchildren will benefit from? Are we putting things in place that our city and our country will benefit from? Are we, are we doing things in time and space that goes beyond us and our immediate circle of people that we care about, that we have to take care of? Um, that is an invested mindset towards the future. And whenever we, as we're looking at these levels, it, it's always think about those two things. It's not, just, it's not just time, but it's also space. So if you want to have an influence on your family, you want to make sure that your city is healthy and good. If you want to live in a gorgeous city, you want to invest in your, uh, in your province, in your country. So we're always kind of expanding out to make sure that our inner circle uh, is protected. So you want to look beyond and see that you are making, making an impact or considering the implications of what is out there and how it impacts your, your closer circle. So we're now invested. We're now invested in the future, invested in, in plans and in ideas and concepts that will go beyond. The next level up then is conscious. And we've talked about being you know, a conscious leader, a conscious consumer, a conscious business. Um, but when we're a conscious futurist, we, we really, we're really challenging ourselves with every choice, with every mindset, every time we had to challenge and we want to complain, every time we want to find an excuse for why something didn't work, we want to challenge ourselves to be more conscious about the decisions we're making. Uh, we, we, we don't want to be complacent um, by saying, well, it, it's okay, we, we got through this, this month, we got through this quarter, we finished this year, we've done the taxes and the financial return, and, and it's okay. We want to say, no, okay is not good enough. What can we do to be more? Not necessarily to expand bigger. I, I know a lot of people automatically think that businesses need to expand. We always need to consume more. Uh, but being conscious about consumption and conscious about leadership means not that we are trying to consume more, but we're trying to consume better. Not that we have to grow bigger, but that we have to grow better. Uh, and, and for a lot of us, um, and I've seen this in, in my family and in some other uh, organizations I know of, coincidentally, in the couple of years before, um, before COVID, uh, people have downscaled a lot of their lives. They've reduced uh, their, their expenses. They've reduced the, um, uh, kind of the, the things that they had and the things that they were doing. Not, not to have a smaller life, but to have a more flexible life. And the more flexible that we are, the kind of, the, the kind of minimalist mentality that some people have adopted meant that when COVID hit us, and we had to go into lockdown, the impact was less on them than on other people who had expanded lifestyles. A lot of people who have expanded lifestyles are living on credit, and when their income was, was challenged, then they couldn't actually sustain that. So a lot of businesses have gone under, a lot of people are under severe financial pressure because they had expanded business or expanded lifestyle beyond what they could afford. Whereas if we have been conscious about reducing the impact of that, then when it happened, there wasn't that much concern. So we, we want to kind of be conscious about how we, 
how we move through life, how we move through relationships with other people, how we use finances um, and how we do our business and not always look at falling in line with the culture, but defining for ourselves what that future should be. And the more we do that, um, the, the better our business is for ourselves. We, we've defined it according to our values, our intentions rather than somebody else's. And be looking beyond just ourselves to something that makes an impact over time. That is being a conscious futurist. Now, there is, I suspect, a level above that, which is called transcendent. Um, and since most of us are not acting at a conscious level, I'm not going to explore transcendent very much. Um, but you do encounter those people, you know, um, in the world, people who, who just have such a big picture for humanity, who have um, such huge goals for us, who, who talk about things that are way beyond uh, what we think we can achieve in a lifetime. And, and people who are transcendent are able to draw people together to create something that is really incredible. We may touch on that every now and then in our lives. We may encounter those people. We may encounter those opportunities, but it's not a place that we generally stay at. It, it's those opportunities come and go uh, when, when we create something that is really honestly bigger than the sum of its parts. Um, and that is to be a, a transcendent futurist. So my question here is, is for us to look at where we're at. Please don't judge yourself in comparison to anyone else, um, but do compare yourself now to where you've been in the past and know that if you were um, at a level in the past and you're, you're struggling at the moment, that if you were there before, you can, you can get back there. If you're going through a period of time right now that is really difficult for your business or for your family, then, um, you know, then know that there are these cycles and there will come a time again when you can start looking at bigger pictures, longer term plans, that you can be more invested into the future. Uh, and don't, don't stress that you're not there at the moment. Um, but just be aware of those, those levels and also see them in yourself when you're having conversations with your family, when you're making plans about the future, when you're looking at your business. Um, at what level are you talking about? Are you making a plan just, just to survive right now? Um, acknowledge that for yourself because it'll give you the comfort that you know that there are places to go. And if you're making big plans and, and other people in your family or other people in your business are stressing saying, we can't talk about that right now because we're not there, then maybe you're thinking at a different level than they are. And you need to make sure that you can understand where they are at, that you can come to a conversation, a conversational level at the same place. So how do we develop um, conscious thinking? Just to kind of round this off, for you to think about this in the future, um, the first challenge is to explore beyond your circle. If you're looking to develop a mindset that is more conscious about the future, don't just look at your family, business, your industry, your city, your country. Look beyond what is happening in other parts of the world, what is happening in other industries. Uh, really challenge yourself to lift your head and look way beyond where you are at because it'll give you a picture of what is coming and you can bring that insight back into your circle. It's a very good exercise. It's a, called horizon scanning, um, but really looking beyond where you're at. Play with opposite ideas. If your business is, um, has always operated one particular way, if you have one business model, if you have one kind of marketing strategy, challenge yourself with something that is very different. While you're looking out and horizon scanning, um, see how other people do their business models or their marketing. Um, even if it's a different industry, even if it makes no sense to your, in your particular business or your industry, bring that idea back, play with it in your mind. It'll challenge you to be more flexible in your thinking as a futurist. Our third part is to consider the passage of time. Understand that time passes. 
Uh, sometimes it feels really slow and painful. Other times it whizzes past and, and you, you can't catch your breath. Um, but, but know that things change over time because very often we feel stuck not making any progress or we feel stuck in a bad place. But if we know that time passes and that, that a lot of what we experience is a cycle, um, then you can relieve that pressure and tension on your mind about, uh, oh, this isn't working. Well, we never escape this time. We're never going to have what we, what we planned. It will pass. So really, really kind of get comfortable with conversations about the passage of time. Not looking back and saying, oh, when things were better in the past, but saying, if we did this in the past, what can we learn that we can create something for the future and allow that time to, to happen? And I would recommend that we raise agency as a value. Um, agency means giving someone else the authority to act um, within parameters, but on their own, uh, rather than us micromanaging them. So we don't always want to tell everybody what to do uh, in their lives. I mean, I know the temptation is there. I'm a mother. I have two young daughters. Um, I always want to tell them what to do. But when I hear them wrestle with why they want to act in a particular way, why they want to do certain things, I realize that it's so important for them to, to work that out, that they can grow mature on their own. Uh, we, we cannot take care of everybody in our lives and make decisions on their behalf. We have to allow people to do that themselves. And the more agency we give to others, uh, the, better, um, the better they're able to grow. Just one idea to, to help you to understand this. Uh, in South Africa, we had this whole thing when, when we went into lockdown, we understood that lockdown was a necessity. We, we, some people would have stayed at home, others wouldn't have, um, but, but it was a necessity and it was a legislation. We all stayed home. And then at some point we, we changed the rules so that uh, we could leave and, and you know, move around more freely and do things. But then the government used the word curfew and they said the curfew will be in place from something like six in the evening until six in the morning. And people reacted so badly to the word curfew. It's like, how can you tell us that we can't go out overnight? Uh, what was strange was we were under even worse curfew beforehand, but just because we used that word, we felt like agency had been taken away from us. Even the phrase lockdown is a terrible thing because agency has been taken away from us. We're being told what to do as opposed to choosing what to do ourselves. Now, we don't always choose the right things. I know that. Um, but we want to develop the kind of mature people, the, the employees, the management, the people we're working with in our businesses. We want to help them to, to develop that, um, that they can make better choices themselves rather than impose it. The more we do that, the more we are uh, acting as conscious futurists, raising up people in the future. Um, that will be able to make the business more sustainable and actually create a better opportunity in the future for all of us. So those are our five levels of being a conscious futurist, moving from survival through responsibility to being invested into the future, to being conscious about what we are creating, and then having those glorious moments of transcendence where we create something that is absolutely amazing. I believe we're all capable of doing this. Um, and, and we just need to be more aware, more conscious of the fact that this, these levels exist and then we will start to see them happening uh, in our businesses and in our conversations. If you have any questions, if you'd like to find out more about that uh, Futures Literacy Program, uh, please do drop me a note. I'll be very happy to discuss that with you. We're finished now and uh, we can have some questions if there are any. I will stop sharing. Thank you so much, Charlotte. That was really interesting. We have some questions in the chat box um, and a comment from Welcome. 
Falcom says, I think conscious leadership is also influenced and dependent on the family values that the business holds. Absolutely right. Um, what I'm finding curious is that some people really understand values and, and others don't. And I'll confess that I didn't uh, for a very long time. You know, I've heard people talk about in business, they talk about, you know, your values, your mission statement, your purpose statement, uh, all of those things. And they, they suck, they're buzzwords. You know, people just throwing them around. They, they go away on a retreat. They come back with a mission statement. They put that in the front of the office and then everyone forgets about it. But I started looking at my values a number of years ago. And, and I didn't, I couldn't even find a way to work out my values. So I did it very, um, <laughs> a very long winded approach. I, I literally went onto the internet and I found lists of values. I put all the words together and I started sorting them out into like, well, this is a nice thing, but it does, I don't respond to it. And I worked it down and down and then I put them into categories and then I worked them out. And now I have a list of values that are clearly defined. I know exactly what my values are and I use them to make decisions about how I raise my family, how I run my business, how I do my work, um, how I communicate with audiences. Those values for me are, are the kind of filter that I put everything through. I'm very involved. Uh, I'm the deputy president of the Professional Speakers Association of Southern Africa. And in our association, we've defined three values that we operate by. And whenever we're wrestling with, should we do this? Should we allow that? Somebody pauses and said, let us run that past the values. And we run them past the values and we suddenly work out that this is something we should absolutely be doing or not at all. This is not for our association. It's for somebody else to do. So they're very, very clear. And, and, and I think that the conversation should be had in a family business. What are those family values? You might know what they are, but does everyone else agree with them? Um, my values are not actually all the same as my husband's. Um, and, and when we, when we have different values, <laughs> we do disagree and argue a lot on certain things. I see Claudia's comment. Uh, how do you work or implement these tools with families? Do you work on a board level, family level as a whole or both? Um, Claudio, did we just connect on LinkedIn yesterday? Welcome. All right, so it, it's a good idea. I mean, the, the tools we have, um, the, I think the very first part should be a conversation. Uh, and, and I know that very often um, if somebody in a group regardless of the group, whether it's the board or a family or uh, any kind of team, somebody's got a very clear picture. They want to run ahead and implement the picture um, and have everybody fall in line and, and do what needs to be done. But I would really urge us to slow down with certain things because if you think about all of this as a journey into the future, um, if, if we were all going, if your family business was going into the future, uh, and you had the picture and you rushed ahead and you went and did things, you would have left your family behind. You've now stretched your supply line from the, the, the front to the end. Um, you've left them in danger because they don't know what to anticipate. You might have gone off and they're going to miss the path because they don't know where you're going. So we have to slow down and have conversations with people to make sure that they're all on board with where we're going. Uh, so when we're looking at, at you know, making changes or redefining where we're going. Uh, it, it means that we have to have, we have to have a series of conversations. Um, that's why that map is really useful because the minute we use the map, we, we take away, we kind of diffuse the anxiety. So um, if I had that conversation with the map with my family, um, then my parents would say, yes, they live in Tuvalanen. They would be able to identify that and, and say that they live there because it's, it's a non-threatening way 
rather than me tell them, you know, you guys are just so stuck in the past. You're scared of the future. You don't want to try the new iPhone. Um, and and, and I, I could hurt my family by pointing things out like that. But if we have an analogy to, to discuss, then it's easier for people to say where they're at and to see the benefit of changing or to have the conversation and say, I want to stay here. I don't want to go there. So, yeah, these tools need to, whatever is your kind of management structure, you need to have a conversation at. Um, but you also can't leave the rest of the company behind. You need to have conversations uh, there as well where, where appropriate. Uh, welcome is saying, I would think both inclusive leadership and share responsibility is what members of the family businesses sometimes need. This includes non-family employees as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's really evident. There's lots of times when we find, and, and this is just basic management stuff, um, at, at board level, at, in leadership level, we, we make certain plans because we can see things at, at a higher level. Uh, we've, um, we've invested in education or we've invested in, in membership of associations so that we can have these kind of conversations. But somebody at the kind of coal face, at the ground level, whatever is the, the terminology you want to use, they're experiencing something that we might not be aware of. And those people are often the best source of intelligence about what is coming or what the challenges are. Um, you know, just if, if you really want to play with my analogy to, to an extreme, if we're all walking, we're planning, we're, we're looking ahead, and there's a child who's walking on the ground and they see, uh, they see a snake that we can't see. They can see danger at a different level from where we can see it because of, of the height that we're at, the perspective we have. So um, we do need to have that kind of open conversation that goes up, or, up and down in an organization that we can hear, that we put something in place that we can hear and tap into what other people are discovering because that makes what we're offering to be um, a, 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 um, more comprehensive in terms of a solution. Um, conscious consumption, Tsitsi's asked me about uh, concept, the concept of conscious consumption, how can it be applied to business decisions? I, I think it's worth, um, and obviously this is not at the survival level of this whole um, conscious uh, uh, spiral because when we're at survival or responsible, we, we, we're trying to just make plans and, and, and move forward and survive and, and not be challenged by everything that is happening. But at some point, we need to stop and look at the choices we made about the products that we, we're putting out um, and, and how we're actually producing that um, as well as what we're consuming. So when we, when we do that, for example, um, very simple choices. When you go to the shop, are you taking your own shopping bag with you or are you getting plastic bags from the store? Um, is, the plastic, is the stuff that you're buying covered in plastic or not? Are the um, foods that you're eating there all imported from other countries or can you buy local stuff? Can you buy from a local store as opposed to a huge retail store? And those are the kinds of choices we can start making about um, the, how we consume things. But organizations can look at their consumption as well. So, you know, what kind of a, um, in terms of the products you're getting, what is your supply line like? So a lot of, a lot of companies have been really challenged, especially like the, um, um, the fashion industry. People are looking at the products, uh, looking at what, you know, we're wearing on our bodies and saying, well, these clothes might be nice, um, but how did they get here? And you follow the supply chain all the way back and you discover that they were literally made in some kind of factory where the people are locked in, they have to work 16 hour days, they don't have any health benefits. And, and then you're going, you know, do I want to look good at the expense of somebody having to live a life like that? And we make a choice not to buy that product. 
But if we're in a business, we have to look at our supply chain. We can't just say, um, in terms of ethics, we cannot say it's okay because what we've done from when something hits, you know, our our store to when we finish into our business and when we when we you know put it out, what we're doing within that period of time that is ethical. So it's okay. Uh, we 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 can't in this day and age afford to do that anymore because people will look where we got our products from or our resources or our supplies from or our funding from or our raw materials from and and when those are when there's an ethical question about where our source was uh, then that implies something about our business as well so it really becomes a much broader business concept not just while we're actually doing something um yeah claudio thank you yeah it's a systemic view it's, and, and systems thinking is, is very much a part of, of what we're doing with futures thinking is saying it's not we're not just concerned with this bubble but with the whole system about how everything puts uh, is put together um nikki's got a question here how do you transition the family business from a culture of authoritarian leadership to conscious leadership where the founder has an authoritarian style but the next generation desires to be conscious leaders yeah that is i mean Absolutely, that is a difficult conversation uh, to have. Um, just because, you know, I'm sure more people have had this uh, problem. You know, in, in my family, my father is uh, from an Afrikaans family. And in the Afrikaans family, um, the, the eldest son is always, you know, he kind of takes over the family reins of whatever is happening or just of the family in general. Um, now, I'm the oldest child. My brother is younger than me. Uh, and very often as a, as a daughter in an Afrikaans family, it was, I was literally told to go inside and play with my dolls and not to play outside with my brother. Um, so you have that kind of mindset. And then we got to a stage where I bought a business. It was my money invested and my father had to work for me. So you can only imagine some of the challenges we had in those conversations. And, and they were tough. They, they, they weren't pleasant at all. Um, now there is no clear solution about this. Um, and, and that's why that, that first conversation right at the beginning of the map, when we look at that, that, that facet, that gem, um, how we see this moment in time, uh, it, we're all seeing it through our own, uh, our own lenses. So if there's an authoritarian leader, that person is saying, I lead this way because it's the right way. It's how I've been taught to lead. Uh, it's how my family you know, raised me. And I'm doing it because I love my children. I love the next generation. I want to protect them. And they probably aren't ready for leadership or management or anything like that. So, so they're, they're doing it with the right intentions, but it doesn't actually help. I'll give you another example. Here I am sharing all my family stories with you. Um, my, my one daughter is 18 years old. Uh, she is in her last year of high school, and she's decided she wants to go overseas to the Netherlands to study university. I want her to spend at least one year in South Africa before she goes, but she wants to leave and go to, to Europe. And I've tried to negotiate. I've tried to drop hints. Um, I haven't tried to bribe because I know that that won't work with her. And then this last weekend when they came to visit, we had, we had a huge row about it um, because, you know, she was trying to make her point and, and, and I, was trying, I was trying to keep her in the country for another year. And eventually we calmed down and, and we, we, you know, we just, we knew that the conversation wasn't gonna go any further and they were here just for the weekend. So we didn't wanna fight the whole weekend. But by the end of the weekend, when I went and dropped her off at her dad's house, I said to her, when I was her age, I spent one year at university, um, but then I left. I paid for my own university. I left home and I paid for my own school. Then I got my own job. 
um, got my own car, my own apartment, and I paid for the rest of my university myself because my parents couldn't. But I was only, you know, a few months older than her when I was doing these things. Um, I, admittedly, I hadn't left the country, but I did all of that. But she has a lot more experience, a lot more insight uh, about herself and what she wants to do than I had at that age. And I have to respect and acknowledge the fact that she actually, she's actually capable of doing something, which was exactly what I was doing at the same age. But, you know, as, as a parent, when you're looking down that age, they look really, really young. <laughs> when you are that age, you think you can conquer the world. So, you know, I, I think, again, and I know it sounds tedious to keep saying this and, and like a cop-out, but the conversations are really important. It, it's really so important to understand where we all are. And, and if we are the, the, the older generations hoping to keep our children as part of, of a business or part of something, um, sometimes we need to let them go. They need to leave and go away and experience something and then come back with that. And if we try and prevent that from happening, we will only cause conflict and lose not only a great asset to the business, but we will lose a relationship with someone that we love. So we, we, we need to learn to give each other some flexibility around that. If we are of the generation that is being restricted by, you know, um, a more authoritarian style, um, then maybe we do need to break away for a while so that we can prove ourselves elsewhere to then come back and try and create something new uh, in a different relationship in a few years' time. Um, and, and if the business is sustainable and the family is the family unit is kept strong, then there is that opportunity to move away and come back again, and not to always just have to stay together. And frankly, in terms of, of futures thinking, to move away and get a different perspective and come back is incredibly valuable for the organization. Thank you so, so much, Charlotte. Really enjoyed this session. And we're hoping to keep on engaging you in going into the future. Um, once again, can you just share with everybody how they can get hold of you so that if they want to follow up on this conversation or any similar conversation, they can do so? Thank you very much. So my name is Charlotte Kemp, nice and easy, Charlotte Kemp. Um, you can find my website at charlottekemp.co.za. Don't go to charlottekemp.com because that's a porn star. I'm not responsible for that. <laughs> so that's the today, or you can find me on LinkedIn and, um, and let me know your questions. Let me know your ideas and let me know if you want to find out information about the, um, the course that I'm going to do about futures thinking. So it's more of a kind of a learning course over a period of time. Uh, there's no charge for the first, you know, one or two rounds that I'm going to do. Um, but uh, it, it, it's a nice kind of easy way to unpack all of this and all of the tools that you can start to think about the future in a different way um, in, in all elements of your life. Perfect. Thank you so much, everyone who joined us this afternoon. Looking forward to seeing you next week. And thank you once again to Charlotte. Thank you very much. Thanks to you all. Stay safe. Thank you.